Hi, I'm Susie Larson. Here's the podcast for Live the Promise. Enjoy the conversation. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm Susie Larson, and this is Live the Promise. And we are here to help you engage in a strong and active walk of faith. Really glad you tuned in. Hope you've had a really great week. Well, here is a tough question to kick off our conversation, but I know many of you will answer yes to this. Um, Do you have a prodigal? Is your son or daughter making consistent, destructive choices that you feel like it's your job to fix them or maybe just their choices are keeping you up at night or breaking your heart or leaving you feeling like you've lost control and you don't know what to do. Well, my guest today is Lori Wildenberg, and she joins me to share how we can demonstrate God's grace and truth, his purpose and his love for our prodigal children. We've had her on before. We've got her in studio today, which is pretty fun. Our title of her book is Messy Journey, How Grace and Truth Offer the Prodigal a Way Home. We've got three copies to get into your hands, so if you want in on the drawing, we're not taking calls today, email me if you'd like, Susie at MyFaithRadio.com. Susie at MyFaithRadio.com. Susie is spelled S-U-S-I-E. I hear somebody every day saying, I spelled it wrong three times. <laughs> there it is, S-U-S-I-E. Susie at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, we at Faith Radio, thank the Lord, we're growing by leaps and bounds, and as is live the promise. So I just got to give a shout out to friends listening in on one of our new networks, uh, 89.1 FM in Bismarck. Hey there, so glad to have you listening. 94.1 FM in Hartford. We're getting more and more emails from Connecticut, and I just love seeing that. 93.1 FM Waterloo, 104.7 FM in Madison, 90.7 FM or 97.5 FM in the Twin Cities. Or maybe you're even listening in on WKTO in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. I just love being in your community and love having you listen. So if you're kind of brand new to Live the Promise, email me from any of these markets. Or if you're listening online, tell me where you're listening from, Susie at MyFaithRadio.com. And uh, if you're able to leave your ad- address, that puts your name automatically in a drawing. And then I will uh, grab a couple names, get some books off of our Faith Radio shelf into your mailbox, just as our way of saying thanks for listening. Glad to be part of this journey with you. Well, my guest today writes this. Why is it that some kids who are brought up with every advantage and opportunity have issues with substance abuse or sexual sin? And then there are other families with parents who are neglectful, disinterested, and distracted that turn out kids with seemingly no problem. When I ponder this, jealousy rears its ugly head. Do you relate to that? Well, let me tell you about my guest. We'll get her on the show. Lori Wildenberg is a national speaker, co-founder of the First Corinthians 13 Parenting Ministry, co-author of three parenting books, and lead mentor mom for Moms Together Facebook community. Good to have you back with us, Lori. Oh, Susie, it's great to be here, and how fun to be in the studio and yeah, that to is fun. meet you face to face. And I'm I, loving that. Well, thank you. So good to have you as well. You're just darling. So, <laughs> so we love to start our conversations talking scripture. And I'm wondering if you either have a life verse or just one you've been thinking about these days that you can share with us. Well, there's always a verse that speaks to me, and it's the love verse. Love is patient and kind, mm. and it is not jealous or boastful. And when you read the piece about um, sometimes jealousy rears its ugly head, 
it so reminded me of that verse, love mm-hmm. is not jealous. And mm-hmm. I I do feel jealous sometimes of other families that seem to just skate on through. Mm-hmm. I wonder why that is, not why you feel jealous, because I understand that as well. But, wh- you know, I mean, it's a mystery. I guess we'll know on the other side. But there are some parents whose kids just, as you say, you know, not to say there's any perfect kids. Obviously, we know that. But kids who just, without incident, kind of go from faith to faith, and they're honorable and they're respectful, and they make choices that are honoring. And and sometimes those parents are like, what? <laughs> like, what'd you do wrong? <laughs> and that's so painful because uh, there are other very sincere parents who are shell-shocked by some of the things their kids oh, yeah. do. And I would say more and more in the days we're in because of of just the the temperature of the the culture so to speak but i would love if you don't mind for those who missed our first conversation give us a little backstory on your journey as it relates to the prodigal child so to speak oh yes so um our journey is one where i would never have expected to have a family member be same-sex attracted and our oldest daughter is same-sex attracted, and, and I need to let the audience know that she has participated in this book, Messy Journey, and she speaks with me sometimes, and sometimes we do radio programs together. So anything that I say today is completely fine with her. I'm not betraying any confidence or um, stepping on on her at all. This is something that we've done together. Which is so amazing. And you'll see that once you get the book, this back and forth input in the book. But go ahead. So um, she is same-sex attracted and also has um, gender identity issues, which for me personally, the second piece, the gender identity issue is the hardest um, because she identifies in a more masculine role. And don't we all want our kids to find their identity in the Lord? Mm-hmm. And that this has been our journey, and it's been a messy one with these two things going on, as you can imagine. And um, we continue to believe what we believe, what the Lord says about sexuality and what is holy and what is not. And we probably, many of us, maybe most of us, have fallen short as far as holiness in the the sexual department um, between a man and a a woman in the context of matrimony. And I think that's been um, something that I think is a really important point because I think a lot of times we pick homosexuality out as the sin above all sins, and it it is not. So um, our journey is one of, of that. But in the book, there's all kinds of journeys, and they all are really actually fairly similar. A child um, getting pregnant out of wedlock or maybe cohabitating with their significant other and, and not marrying. Um, turning away from the faith. There's a story in here about a missionary family whose son has now declared that he's an atheist. Mm. How does this happen? Right. So um, there's, they all have common threads, though, and the main common thread is really a, a step away from the Lord there, and they're, they have a great feeling of woundedness in some particular area, and they're filling it with something else. Oh, interesting. Well, one of the biggest shockers for those of us who have had prodigals, and I'll say mine is, you know, my dear son is, recommitted his life to the Lord. But boy, I felt like I aged years during that wandering time. But uh, the the shocker is, 
I did right, but I didn't get right. Not to say that we did it perfect, mm-hmm. but it's like we were present. We were passionate. We were purposeful. Why did they choose a different path? And, and I want to know how you sorted through your angst around those kinds of questions, especially in the face of, as you say, families who look like their kids are just skating through. And, and some maybe even looking at you going, what did you miss? You missed a step here. How did you sort through all that? I think that is one of the first questions you ask yourself. What did we do wrong? Here, we thought we had the right formula. What did we do wrong? And then, and then when you read scripture mm-hmm. and you see how in Genesis, this is the thing that makes me feel like maybe we didn't do anything wrong or maybe we did do a few things wrong that we have to make right, but perhaps this is our child's journey. But when you look at Genesis 3 and here... Adam and Eve, they're in the perfect environment, way more perfect than my home, perfect environment. They're walking with the Lord. Imagine walking with the Lord, the perfect father. And yet there's still a snake in the garden. So if Adam and Eve could be tempted and then could fall into that temptation and sin, why not me? Mm, That's good. Really good. Well, I think I mentioned this last time you were on, but I actually had parents back then who said to me, uh, boy, I barely taught faith at home and my kids are on the mission field. What what happened to yours? And I mean, put a knife in my chest. <laughs> I mean, I'll just bleed out right here, right yes, now. Thank you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's comments from people like that who think they have a foolproof formula or get an outcome that they weren't even trying for that that I think hurts the worst. And that's why I feel like I have so much grace for that opening comment of jealousy rears its head because it is such a deep, deep personal wound. And and much like Job's friends, when misunderstanding comes at that to say, you know what your problem is, it just pushes you down deeper. How did you learn to sort through that element, especially in this day with a daughter who identifies more in the masculine gender and has the same sex attraction? How did you find your footing and your identity again regardless of those kinds of people? Well, I think there's actually some self-care that has to happen. Yes, exactly. Because if you can't take care of yourself, you are dealing with a fairly empty bucket. And then when somebody says something, it just, it's too much. So to stay healthy, um, physically, mentally, emotionally, do the things, for me, it's walking in the mountains, and often with my dog, just so I can talk to the Lord. And um, those are times that are really helpful to me. And there are some people that um, I have realized are not helpful to my... Um, She's how trying would to I say, say this, this? Nice. <laughs> Without... <laughs> may not be helpful right. in encouraging that. Mm-hmm. And so... I may limit my time with those to. people because mm-hmm. it's too hard. Because really, sometimes you're doing just the best you can to stay afloat. Exactly. And when I have found, um, I have a couple people that pray with me. One gal in particular prays with me every Tuesday. And I have found if you can find those prayer partners, that is huge. And I ask the Lord, show me yourself each day. And when I know that I can see God in each day, that is an encouragement to me as well. So I try to stay close to the word and in prayer. And 
Get in a good walk. Mm-hmm. Oh, walks do amazing things. <laughs> so I hope your friends heard what she just said. I mean, limit your exposure to people who are who kind of push in the ditch, whether they mean to or not, just to be careful, especially in those raw moments and seasons where you just know you're fragile. Um, get a good prayer partner who will go into the trenches with you. Get some exercise. Amazing what that does for the perspective. So when we come back, Laura, I'd love for you to talk about common mistakes we make in reaction and fear when our kids start to make some of these choices because I've heard stories of parents who overreact or overcorrect even, which has you know not such good results. So just some common mistakes we make when our own fear is triggered and what, we, what would be a better response and a better question to ask. Talking to Lori Wildenberg today, her book is titled Messy Journey, How Grace and Truth Offer the Prodigal a Way Home. Three copies we've got available, so email suzy at myfaithradio.com. Remember that mailing address, and we'll be back in a minute. Really glad you tuned in today. I'm Susie Larson. This is The Promise, talking to author speaker Lori Wildenberg, and her great book is titled Messy Journey How Grace and Truth Offer the Prodigal a Way Home. We've got three copies. I'd love to get one into your hands. If you want to enter the drawing, just email me. Susie is spelled S U S I E. Susie at myfaithradio.com. And remember that mailing address. So, Lori, I'd love to know just have you explore some of the common mistakes we as parents make out of either hurt or fear. Um, but we react to choices our kids make in a way that probably backfires. <laughs> yes. A lot of times we react big because we're so surprised. And when whatever the prodigal issue is, drugs or sex um, or walking away from the faith, when that issue is disclosed, many of us are shocked at what is going on. And in that shock, and because we are passionate about our kids, we react Big, with big surprise, big mad. And that's a very common thing. And so many parents that I've talked to really beat themselves up over that. But what we need to remember is when the, relate, when the issue comes to light, often because the prodigal has told us, they tell us when they're ready. Hmm. And we never see it coming. So, so they've had time to prepare. Yes. Mm-hmm. And... Of course, what they need from us at that moment is that unconditional love and to not reject them. But often what they get is not that because we're so surprised, we're angry, and they feel some rejection. So because God can can fix this and make these things right, the best thing and the next best thing to do after we've had our initial shock reaction is to ask for forgiveness. Mm. So to, to build that bridge of forgiveness right away. Um, and and to know that, you know what, it is a surprise. And to forgive yourself. Ask your child for forgiveness and really forgive yourself as well so that you can get past that and start working on asking instead of the question why, which is the one we always want the answer to. But, you know, if it happened to the Lord and with Adam and Eve, really, why not? Mm-hmm. And so rather than asking why, ask how. How can I help my child? How can I honor the Lord in this situation? How can I best represent God? Ask how versus asking why. And Mm. I think we typically like to ask why. Mm. 
I love this. You said, how can I be the mom or dad, a mom or dad, while my child moves away from me emotionally, mentally, and physically? Um, love for you to just even talk a bit about how to reframe our perspective when it comes to our adult kids, because, you know, they're made in God's image. Sometimes we want to shape them in our image and we have an idea and a vision of what it's supposed to look like. And uh, you never think you're going to be old fashioned. You know, you always feel like you're the young one until you have kids <laughs> and, and suddenly like, okay, now your music is outdated. And until you lose, you're cool. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm wondering um, just if you could reframe our perspective when it comes to our adult kids, because their journey has to be their journey. Yes. I think if we can step back and ask God what sort of what is the journey our kids need to have and have a pers- a heavenly perspective, which is very hard because when our kids are little, we're highly involved and we're right there and we're, you know, working through everything with them. And then they get to this age of they're more independent. They may be not living at home any longer. How, what do we do? Well, we, our place of making a change comes from our influence and the best way to have influence is to encourage the relationship and don't always talk about the thing i used to think when Mm -hmm. i was alone with with courtney that was my opportunity to talk about the thing and um finally she put up a boundary on me and she said mom we're going out for lunch and we're not going to talk about anything meaning we weren't going to talk about the same sex attraction or her short shaved head, her short hair. So these are things that she's had to actually put boundaries up on me. And I'm learning that, yes, our relationship is where I have influence. And it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. So if the kindness of God leads to repentance, doesn't that mean that if I want to be like Jesus, Mm. I need to demonstrate kindness to my child as well so that she can get to that place. That's really, really good. So I touched on this, but I want to explore this a little bit more. Um, The critique and the opinions of others. Um, Like here's an example. I know of a gal whose son is gay and she loves him and she's not leaving his side. She's got a biblical theology around this, but she loves her son. And so she's staying connected personally, even, you know, online. And so on Facebook, she's made different comments on his page, just, you know, um, if he did something great at work, way to go, so proud of you, that kind of a thing. But clearly, if you were, if someone was a Facebook stalker, which a lot of people do to try to check out who's connected to who <laughs> and what's your life like, um, he clearly is, is gay. And she's received critique and criticism from people. I thought you're a Christian, you're being a bad example. And I know, I see your eyes dropping. Mm. Um, but she had to settle... Uh, that score in her heart to say, I'm going to love him. I'm going to even publicly love him, no matter if you think that I'm. But this is what's so wrong to me with our culture these days with Christians is you would be so quick to jump on a mom who's loving her kid. You do not know what that thing has cost her and what she's trying to accomplish there. But you have to to correct her doctrine in case she might be wrong that you've hurt her twice you know twofold so i want you to speak to that because you have to get to a point where you know you're going out to lunch with your daughter who looks probably more masculine than feminine i mean how do you do that where you kind of go okay enough with the opinions of others people i have to keep them in god's hands people don't know what it is i'm walking through and i'm committed to my child because your child is watching are you embarrassed to be with me or not i mean i mean that's a loaded question but speak to it if you would oh it's a great question but aren't we called to 
love people, love our enemies, mm-hmm. right? What good is it or how hard is it for us to love someone who thinks the same way we do and looks right. the same way we do? This is where unconditional love really kicks in. And this is what love is really about. Love doesn't necessarily mean agreement. Acceptance doesn't mean agreement. We can love and accept our child without necessarily agreeing. And I think when we get into trouble is where we think the sin is the person. Mm. And so that's why I will always say Courtney is same-sex attracted rather than I I will not say Courtney is gay. Now, she may self-identify as gay, but I won't call her that. I will say she's same-sex attracted. I don't want her identity to be rooted in interesting in that. And mm. so just as this mom that you're talking about, she loves her kid. And good for her because this kid needs love. And what they fear the most is rejection. Mm. And how else can we speak into our kids' lives if we can't love them in the midst of the hard stuff? Yeah. If if our child was battling cancer, wouldn't we be there? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't we be fighting for our child mm-hmm. and loving that child? Why would this be any different? I can still speak truth and maintain a relationship with my daughter because we're respectful of one another and we've learned how to be respectful. We've learned how to disagree agreeably and how to respect each other's thoughts and beliefs. So respect is key. And yeah, we need to especially, especially reach out when our kids have stepped off the path and continue to maintain that relationship and encourage the the stuff that's encouraging. And when the Lord moves us, because a lot of times we want to speak truth all the time, I would say when the Lord moves mm. us, at least that's in my case, when the Lord moves me, I speak truth. Because she knows what I think. She yeah. knows what I believe. I don't have to keep hammering it down on her. So we got about a minute to our hard break at the bottom of the hour. But if you would say more about just what do you feel like it's done for the relationship that you stopped using every single a chance to speak quote unquote truth, you know, as far as address the issue, because she's more than that issue. She's, you know, she's got interests and, and things that make her tick. And so as her mom, you know, doing lunch with her and doing life with her, what's that been like? I'm sure that her defenses have come down somewhat. It's great. We have a great relationship. We laugh. And then when the time is right, when the Lord moves it, I will say something or even if she asks me a question about something, that it totally opens up the communication and it completely softens a heart. And I'm not just talking about Courtney's heart. I'm talking about my heart. Mm. It softens my heart. And I can have empathy for my daughter and compassion because whenever our kiddos wander off the path a little bit, there is some wounding. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Talking to Lori Wildenberg today. Title of her book is Messy Journey, How Grace and Truth Offer the Prodigal a Way Home. You think you need this book. I, if you have a prodigal, you want to read this. It's fantastic. Email if you want in on the drawing, Susie at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be back in a minute.
really hope you're having a great day today. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Susie Larson. This is The The Promise, talking to author speaker Lori Wildenberg, who wrote the book, Messy Journey, How Grace and Truth Offer the Prodigal a Way Home. And if you just tuned in before the break, Lori talked about her dear daughter, who is same-sex attracted and also identifies more in a masculine way. And uh, But this book is for a missionary child uh, who's become an atheist and another one who's addicted to substance and, or alcohol abuse or whatever. Um, there's so many paths and ways a child can break their parents heart and, and leave the, really the, the best case scenario that God would have for them. What I love about this book, I told Lori in the green room, is your tone, your heart, your mom of compassion so you know um, where moms and dads have been. But also the fact that your daughter, Courtney, in, you know, in, inserts these little comments once in a while and excerpts that are just great. I mean, she she really was with you on this. To, I, I said to you in the green room, that shows integrity on her part, I feel like, because she is where she is, but she knows her mom and dad love her. And, uh, it, you know, she's just in process and she'll be the first to say that. So give a little insight on, on what her contributions were like in this book. Well, we didn't edit anything she said, so it's raw. Hmm. And whatever she said was what she said, hmm. and that's how we wanted it. And um, she, it's fairly remarkable, and I would say it's very brave. And like you said, it is full of integrity that she is able to speak into a book like this. And for her to do this, she has actually a passion for people in her position. Mm. And she wants to help build a bridge between prodigals and their parents. And we had um, a situation where she and I were at a book signing. And a friend of mine came up to her and she said, Courtney, you know, what do you hope people get out of this book? And Courtney said, I want parents to know to never give up. Mm. And that's one of the themes that resonates throughout the entire book. And I love that. And because we do feel like we do want to give up a lot of times because it really is hard to persevere during some of these moments. And there are times the Lord moves us to pursue our child, our, our prodigal, just as the shepherd pursues the lost sheep. And then there are other times the Lord says, okay, you're, gonna, you're waiting here. We're going to have you wait just as take the your hands off. father mm-hmm. and let let me take care of this. Very hard. Either thing is hard because if you pursue, sometimes you get rejected. And you again, you need to continue to pray and ask the Lord, do you have me pursue today or is today a waiting day? And these are hard things because it's so hard to navigate. As you said earlier, there's no formula I wish there was. I wish there was. You do A and you get B, but there isn't. So you do have to pray. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Did you find the excerpt of, of one of her contributions? I did. And you got to read it because uh, it's, it's just really wonderful that she could chime in and be part of this journey. Yes. Okay. So here's, here's one that um, she probably still would say. I've had to forgive my mom for going off about my hair. It's a part of me. I don't like it when she gets annoyed or upset by my looks. Mm. And that's one of the things that is a continued issue between the two of us. And that is something that is very hard. Um, You had asked me to talk about where I had done something well. And I she right away goes, oh, I can think of the stuff I did wrong. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I do have an example of what I did wrong. And 
um, I always, it's very hard for me not to talk to Courtney about her hair. Um, a lot when she says she needs a trim, she gets it shaved. Hmm. And it is so hard to see her with a shaved head. That is really hard for me. And it's even harder for me not to say something. And and I did tell her the thing that maybe is hard for me is it's an indication of her heart. And that's why it especially is hard. So she has had to forgive me over and over again because I typically do comment unless the I shoot up a little quick arrow prayer, Lord, put a guard over my big fat mouth. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for me to not say something. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, I appreciate you saying that. So I'm thinking of the parent, especially the mom. I mean, I think dads handle this differently. They internalize it probably differently. But, you know, we as moms feel these in our deepest emotions and in our skin even sometimes. And I'm wondering about the mom thinking, listening today going, how do you go on and, and laugh and enjoy life when your heart is torn into a thousand pieces? Like, you can't stay forever in mourning. You've got to find a new normal in the not yet. There's got to be a way to do that, and there is a way to do that. But it seems impossible because they always say, you know, that having a child is like having your heart walk around on the outside of your, your body, yes. you know. But speak to that mom, if you would, because it is so important that she get back to life and joy and laughter what what advice would you have? Well, my advice would be don't let your grief be your idol. Mm, boy, that's good. And mm. that is, it's really hard because our kids hold the place in our heart that breaks the most. And we need to do a little bit more of putting it in its compartment where men are a little more able to do that. We need to set that aside and have something else be our idol, perhaps the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, get get that out of the way and not to focus on it all the time because it will not only do damage to us and, and even physical damage. I can tell you yep. I have had headaches. I've been sick to my stomach. Um, you know, all of those things, fatigue. It's a drain on your adrenal a, glands, which is a whole ripple effect yes, for another show, but it's And true. kind of getting into a little depression, mm-hmm. these kind of things. But that's when you focus too hard on the issue. Focus on praying for the child and praying that the Lord draws that child to himself and for their relationship. So that, that would be something that you could do with all that energy that mm-hmm. wants to just throw their hands up and, and grieve. Um it's just so important for us to have have friends and to get out and to not, again, have that be the focus. Um, I was working with a couple whose daughter was living with um, a man who had four children and his wife had died under sort of suspicious circumstances. Mm. Oh, my goodness. So you can imagine the fear that this family had with their daughter there and their daughter was trying to be was estranged really from the family they were worried for her yet they had two other children at home they needed to open their hands and say lord she is yours she is your child you love her even more than i do she's your child this couldn't be a moment by moment thing too because we tend to take it back they did that they started focusing on their relationship and their other kids and I encouraged the two of them, the husband and wife, to go out, have a date, and they could not talk about their daughter because that had been their whole life. 
They went out. They had their date. The next time we met, which was a week later, they were light. Mm -hmm. They were so much lighter. They were enjoying each other. They were laughing. And I hadn't seen them like that throughout this process. But they needed to take that, set it aside, and turn it over to the Lord. And again, sometimes it's a moment-by-moment thing because we love our kids so much. We've got to remember God loves them even more. Mm-hmm. And I think I might have shared this with you last time you were on, but I just, I'm just i feeling nudged to share it again because maybe you needed to hear this today. But I had a couple young men in studio who both were raised in Christian homes, uh, came out as gay, and lived actively in the gay lifestyle. And one of them, they both had come back and were working in ministry in that regard. Um, but one of them had said his mom was so, of course, devastated by these choices that he, he saw her countenance. And it just every time they connected, he would she would bring that up. But all of a sudden, something changed. And it's, she also had two daughters. So she had two daughters and their wedding pictures. And then she had an empty frame with his waiting for the day that there would be, you know. And uh, anyway, he his her mom... His mom just decided, I'm going to press in to the Lord. I've got to get my joy back. And he said, I start to watch the countenance of the the Lord on her face. And he said, anytime I be with her, it's like the string was detached where I don't need you um, to do what I want you to do for me to be okay. I'm good. I want this for you. I love you. But I'm so connected to the Lord that I'm enjoying the joy of the Lord. I mean, it was like this instinctive thing. He was watching on her countenance like and he said, when I was with her, I was in the light because she's in the light. And I was having fellowship with her. But he said, then I go back to my life and it was back in the shadows. And he said, pretty soon the contrast became so stark that it was. And there was, I don't know if he'd had a dream. Yeah, he had a dream that he'd married this blonde gal. And he sat up and he's like, <laughs> he left the lifestyle, went home and told his mom about the dream. And she'd had the same dream. Well, long story short, while he was in studio, he pulled out the picture during the break that he was engaged to this blonde girl that he'd seen in the dream. And they're, and they're now married, you know. But the point being that his mom had to get to joy first. And I just feel like that is so huge because we can't go forever in mourning, as you said, physically, emotionally, relationally. But also the best reflection that Jesus is the hope of the earth is to live it and show it, you know? Yes. It makes, you just made me think of um, C.S. Lewis's quote that joy is the serious business of heaven. I love that. Isn't that Fantastic, fantastic. That's so great. So you explore these three things. We have one more break coming up, so we'll take one and then cover the other two on the other side. But um, such important concepts in this journey, prayer unconditional love and setting boundaries. I'm so curious what you have to say about all these, but uh, you've touched on prayer, but say more about just the power of prayer. Because when you hear people say, all I can do is pray, sometimes I think you don't really understand the power of prayer if that's if that's just your last token. I get it, but I'm just saying there's a lot to be done in prayer. Yeah, Oswald Chambers says prayer is the greater work, right? Indeed, indeed, yeah. So that is the thing mm-hmm. to do. And whenever I started to feel either that grief that we talked about or even frustration or anger, I decided to use those emotions as my catalyst for prayer. And so those would be the things that would cause me to pray for my daughter and to take all that to the Lord and remind myself to trust him with her. Mm. And so prayer is huge. And having someone pray with you when you can't pray because you're just so overwhelmed, you have no words. And the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf for sure. And I, and that is something that is so important 
and I know it's also really important for us to gather our our Aaron and our mm-hmm. our her right when when Moses was feeling like he was putting his arms down during the battle if he had his arms up they were winning and if he put his arms down they were losing and so he had his buddies on his brother and his buddy on either side and they lifted his arms up sometimes we need those buddies on either side to do that for us when we can't do it ourselves mm-hmm. but when we fall into that hard place Use that as a catalyst for prayer. Hmm. I think it was Ian Bounds who said prayer can do anything that God can do. I love Ah. that. Isn't that good? So when we come back, then let's cover the unconditional love and the idea and the importance of setting boundaries. I think one would think that when you feel so desperate for your kid, you just start to rearrange your theology, change. There's no more boundaries because it's like, I got to go get this kid, you know, and there is a a reason and a purpose for healthy boundaries, but also unconditional love. Lori Wildenberg's my guest today. Again, title of her book is Messy Journey, How Grace and Truth Offer the Prodigal a Way Home. We'll be back in a minute. Really, really glad you tuned in today. I'm Susie Larson. This is The Promise, talking to Lori Wildenberg. She wrote the book, Messy Journey, How Grace and Truth Offer the Prodigal a Way Home. We've had just such an amazing conversation. And if you've got a child breaking your heart, uh, you've got to go back and catch the whole show when the podcast is up after the live show. Um, but we've been walking through three aspects just in the last couple of minutes here of that are critical to this messy journey. One is prayer. One is loving unconditionally. And the other is setting boundaries. Well, you touched on prayer. Say a word about loving unconditionally. And especially for the parent thinking, I can't get there from here. I'm so shredded by this. I don't know how to to love in the way the Father has loved me. How do you even access it and walk in it? What do you say? Well, unconditional love is really supernatural, is yeah, it not? true. We really can't do that without the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, again, stay in communion with God so that we can do that. And we can continue to communicate our love and and our family unity even with our child, that they're an important part of the family and they're an important part of God's family, it, to know that they are so loved no matter no matter what. And sometimes that's hard to do when you have a prodigal. And one of the things that's incredibly helpful is to set boundaries so that you are able to love unconditionally, but your help is conditional. And I think that's wow. the thing that you really need to know. So that I got to just stop is, there. Sorry, because okay. this is so good. I want to make sure you heard what Lori said so much so that I just interrupted totally what she just said. <laughs> but to love, you're loving unconditionally, but your help is conditional. Yes. Okay, sorry, that was so good. I didn't want to whip by that, so say more now if you would. (laughs) Yes, okay, so we love our kids unconditionally, but our help is conditional when we have a prodigal. And that's why you asked about the unconditional love and the boundaries together, because Mm -hmm. they go together. Mm. They definitely go together. And what does that look like? A lot of times when we say we're setting boundaries, we're thinking, I'm putting boundaries on that kid, right? The boundaries are on the prodigal, but no. The boundaries are for the parents because we cannot control the boundaries for our children. Clearly, they have been breaking boundaries. They are boundary breakers. Mm -hmm. So the boundaries are for us. It's what we put on. So we decide with our help being conditional, prodigals 
are famous for sucking our time away from us because all kinds of things are going on and we tend to drop everything and run to whatever the next crisis is. They can get in the way of our relationship with our other children or with our spouse. They don't get to have that power. And they can financially take a lot of money. So you have to decide what is going to be okay. And this can be very hard. When Courtney was living with her significant other, it was a very toxic relationship. Um, She isn't currently in a relationship, and I want to say that is not the relationship I'm speaking of right now. The re- what the one the highly toxic relationship she was in was highly concerning. She was supposed to be going to college, and she was she had moved in with this um, this other woman. And in our family, we had said if you are in school and you live with someone, and it's not you know a roommate situation, we do not pay for anything. That's how it's going to be. So she had moved in with this. This woman, it was a very toxic relationship, and we cut off all financial things. And it was so painful, mostly painful for Tom, being the protector and the provider. He agonized over this, and we had Courtney and her significant other over for Easter. And after Easter concluded and they drove away, they drove back, and they asked for a little bit of gas money. And nothing could have driven a stake through Tom's heart Mm. harder than that. He came inside and he goes, they need money for gas. And I said, she chose B, not A, because that we had our list of what was A and what was B and, and where we would go with that. And she chose B. And he was like, okay. And he lost so much sleep Mm. over that exchange. So So hard. So we need to be able to let those consequences play themselves out because the Lord is in that. Mm -hmm. And we like to be a little bit of the junior Holy Spirit and get in the mix of that. But sometimes we can slow down the work that God's doing if we if we rescue. And that's we can slow down the work God's doing if we rescue. And uh, so so, some are so um, unfamiliar with that kind of tough love that they, they don't understand it. And I guess you can't know it unless you're in a position where you have to you know, um, apply tough love. But I'm wondering, what does Courtney say in hindsight from the, I'm sure that was excruciating for her back then. Does she ever speak of that time now going, I see why you had to do that? Oh, yes. Really? She, mm-hmm. Yes, she understands that and she understands why we were highly concerned yeah. about that relationship. You weren't going to enable it in any way. And I know she sees your love in that. So uh, this is this is another word from Courtney. And uh, she says, this is an amazing and encouraging story of not only my mom's and mine, but also many others. She's talking about this book. I hope you can take these testimonies and apply them to your own circumstances. Parents, I ask you to be patient, to listen, to be there, to love your child. Rebels, I know from experience this is hard, but give it time. Know that your parents ultimately want the best for you. Your parents love you so much. I know deep down you love your parents so much. Parents and rebels always keep the lines of communication open. Last but not least, trust and rely on God throughout your journey. That's fantastic advice on both sides, isn't it? Yes. Look at she's got the mama, the mama pride. I know. Space. So That's precious. That's beautiful, <laughs> really. Um, let's talk for a minute, if we would, about um, parent tips for your non-prodigal. We've probably got about five minutes left, um, and I've got them here. One eighty-two. 
Um, the first one, so when you think about, like you said, all the attention can go to the prodigal to the point where uh, those who are not wandering are paying the bigger price. And so the first one you say is back off a bit, act like a consultant or coach rather than a controller. Say more. Oh, that is so hard because we are in such high alert mode when we have a child who is a prodigal. We're afraid the the rest of the crowd is going to go that way too. So we tend to control what we don't need to control because there's so much chaos surrounding us. So, yeah, back off because otherwise we could end up with the same situation. Mm-hmm. The more the harder we try to control, we end up doing the thing that we don't want to do and we create a situation where someone will rebel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that the overcorrecting and the overreaching Number two, ask questions. How will this choice or behavior help you get where you want to go? That's definitely a consultant sort of approach with your child or even a coach approach. Let them figure out their their issues. If they've made a mistake, then let them learn from that. And remember, mistakes are where we learn and not to be afraid of that. I think because when we have a prodigal, there's so much fear that when our other kids make a mistake or a bad choice, we go all the way to Z and think, here we go, this is the next thing. But it's just their path of learning and not to have a knee-jerk reaction and instead ask a question rather than tell them what they need to do. Boy, and that question's such a good one. How will this choice help you get where you want to go? Let's think it forward just a little bit. So you're treating them like they've got a brain and a heart, (laughs) but then it forces them to think about this too, you know? Um, Avoiding being quick with a solution. Let the young adult wrestle with the issue. And that is a similar sort of thing with number Mm -hmm. two, asking the question, rather than rescuing. Because, again... We are so tender when we have a prodigal and we're so fearful that when something looks like alarm bells are going to go off, we want to swoop in and fix it. But again, this isn't the same child Mm -hmm. and we need to let them learn. And that is the way we learn. Very good. Uh, So this is kind of a a spinoff of that one as well. Let the young person own the decision and the result. Yes. Yes. They need to take ownership. That is how... We learn to be responsible, and that is how we learn to do things in a way that might work out better as well if we've tried it one way and it didn't work out very well. Mm -hmm. Be loving and encouraging. Support the child rather than the choice. That's looking at the child and not the behavior, and and that's one of the reasons why we would say same-sex attracted versus gay. So our child... And we can also think of it in terms of when our kids were little, we'd always say, okay, now remember, we don't say you were bad. We we say that was a bad decision. That wasn't a very good choice. And having them evaluate is much better so that Mm -hmm. they can use their brain. We don't want them leaving the house not knowing how to think and make a decision. When they're under our roof, Don't we want them to even make a mistake so that we can help them figure out how to go forward, but yet use their own mind to do that? Mm, So good. We're going to pray now, but I want to read you the last point because I feel like you need to hear it. Pray that the behavior or relationship you're concerned about with your non-prodigal leaves the child feeling empty and unsatisfied. Pray that the relationship that only God can fill will be filled with him, with the Lord. I'm wondering if you pray for that brokenhearted parent today, Lori, just listening. that just that God would give them everything that they need in this moment. 
Lord God, Heavenly King, Mm. Father, you are the God of all compassion, and you are the Father of all prodigals, Lord. I ask that uh, your Holy Spirit touches the heart of the moms and dads who are feeling discouraged and hurt, and Lord, it hurts to be the audience, and, and you know that, Father. So I ask that you give them your compassion and you provide someone to come alongside them, to be, to be their Aaron and their her, mm. to hold their arms up when they can't do it themselves. Lord, I ask that you give um, the person who needs it today a big dose of encouragement and that they know that, Lord, it came from you. Yes, In Thank Jesus' name, you. amen. Lori, thank you for the time today, and I wish you God's best as you travel home. Thank you. Mm. Well, so glad you tuned in today. You've been listening to Live the Promise. I'm Susie Larson. In just a bit, you'll find a podcast of today's program up on our website at myfaithradio.com. Again, I was talking to Lori Wildenberg. The title of her book is Messy Journey. And if you want in on the drawing, just email me, Susie, at myfaithradio.com. And remember that mailing address. And remember this, too. The Lord wants you to last long and finish strong. He is the one who will keep you strong to the end. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this conversation from Live the Promise. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend. Help grow the impact of the show. Also, if you would, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and then never miss a show.